You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on the 27th of October. How are you doing today? Tired. Okay. Why? That's you know how the fall gets for me at work. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I almost had a nap this afternoon, but I thought, ah, I'll tough it out. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Appreciate your dedication, Roger. I, it's, somebody has to. You know, somebody has to break through those government employee stereotypes and say, we are not all slack asses, but it is cookie and milk time. So I'll be back in a bit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Before we actually get started with the episode, not that long ago, a few weeks ago, (coughs) what the fuck did I swallow? What the hell was that? (coughs) I don't know. Air stuck in my throat. Call the paramedics. not even editing that out. This is how pro we are. <laughs> so a few weeks ago, as folks will remember, we had Marty on the podcast from All Comics Considered. I put a call out saying that we needed somebody to replace Vince for one week because he was out of town and Marty graciously accepted. And then I told him, you know what, if you ever want somebody on your show, let me know. I'd love to pop on and just shoot the breeze. And the fool had me on. So that was last week. <laughs> and... We talked for two hours and uh, there was he and I and Hannah and Nick from their podcast. And we just had a fantastic, fantastic time. It would have actually gone on longer, except it was already pretty freaking late by the end. And he didn't know how to end the podcast anyways. (laughs) Of that two hours, how much of it was Batman versus Daredevil? Very little, very little actually. (laughs) We actually had some fantastic conversations, which is why it lasted so bloody long, talking about a whole bunch of stuff. So it was a ton of fun. Now, those episodes aren't up yet. He said he's probably going to split it into two episodes. So when they come up, I'll let folks know. Now, Marty, however, is a bastard. And what he did is, as a thanks for going on his podcast, he sent me a $10 gift card for Comixology. <laughs> and I'm going, shit, man. I, I All I did was thank you for coming on. <laughs> like, dude went out of his way to help because we needed somebody on. All I did was say, yeah, if you want somebody to shoot the breeze with, I'll come on. And he does this. So I think that was a pretty dick move on his part. Now, that said, I cannot in good conscience accept this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it away to one of our listeners. However, the caveat is I want you folks to go to allcomicsconsidered.com. Listen to the last episode, which happens to be episode 22, unless he releases the next one before then, but 22, and there's a comic that Hannah disagrees with, with Marty about. Tell me what it is. Email that to Raj at comicbookinformer.com, just R-O-G. I had to get rid of the Roger because I'm getting like a thousand spam a day. So just Raj at comicbookinformer. Tell me which one. Put ACC in the subject line so that I know, and I'll pick at random someone and you guys get a $10 gift certificate. So something good for our listeners and for, to get some traffic over to their site as well. Very cool. Yeah. So what we are going to be discussing as is kind of the norm with me, I like to go back and have a little bit of fun. We're actually going to discuss a series that actually I was not reading at the time 
comics at the time, but it is a subject matter that is very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> We've been talking about Star Wars so much lately and how fantastic the comics have been as well with that. But growing up, as much as I loved Star Wars, it wasn't the passion for me. For me, it was Indiana Jones right from the get-go. And it's one of those blind devotions as well that even for the bad ones, I'll still watch them again. I know they're bad. <laughs> that part of my brain that recognizes crap is saying, warning, warning, <laughs> but I'll still watch it. And I always loved Indiana Jones, various things. So this year, they did a number of comics for Indiana Jones and that uh, being Dark Horse. And at the time, Lucas Arts was also working on games and whatnot. So there were a bunch of different things going on. Now, this one here was published in this limited series was published in late 94 into the spring of 95. So again, by that time, I was raising three kids and broke as can imagine. So I couldn't afford comics. But it's a fantastic series that what they did is they based it off of a video game that got canceled and it's ah. the uh, Indiana Jones and the Iron Phoenix. So LucasArts was going to be making this into a game. However, there was a various problems, not the least of which being too, that they were really restricted in terms of what they could do for it to be sold in Germany because of the mm. obvious Nazi slant and the fact that they don't want that promoted in any, anything that goes out there entertainment wise. So there was that. So they decided not to go ahead with it, but the comic series still could go through and give you the story of what the game would have been. Now, the important thing to note here, as we've said time and time again with older series, they're often very dated in style, in their look. That's just something that you have to accept going in. I know this whole story was just stuck in the 1940s. <laughs> oh, ha ha. How long were you working on that little gem? <laughs> Just popped up. <laughs> well, bravo. So this is, of course, set after World War II, and the Nazis are seeking the quote-unquote philosopher's stone to, of course, resurrect dead Nazis because that's what you do. And this is obviously something that you come across often with, with Indy, that, that Nazi slant to different things. So you start off right from the get-go with him exploring a dungeon-type locale. There's a lot more busting through walls like the Kool-Aid Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember as much of that in the movies, but apparently in the comic books, it's a lot easier to do. <laughs> well, now that, you, now that you've said that it was a, a canceled video game, that starts to make a lot more sense, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you can see how they were planning out different encounters and things like that as well, too. So, so anyways, he's seeking out these different artifacts and he finds an alchemist bench and then he finds this scroll. And of course, typical fashion too, there's got to be Russians that are in there. And the Soviet army shows up with a major Nadia who becomes known as comrade major legs. And she is taking over the scroll. She wants to, she, she, she sees him as someone who is actually stealing for the Nazis. So you have that little angle that's played for a little while. And when he gets taken to their prison, he actually meets up with the main villain's aide who happens to be there. And he kind of pops back in a little later on. 
typical indie fashion, he busts out of prison and he gets the scroll back and heads off. And then you wind up seeing Marcus he, again. He had his little Steve McQueen moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On the bike. <laughs> he made sure that was in the script. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Marcus tells him that they're after the Philosopher's Stone and that the, the um, what he stole was the key of Solomon, the king, and that you translate the scroll and it gives you information about the Philosopher's Stone and what happened to it and how it was separated into three parts and quote unquote, they were put to the farthest gardens of Christendom and, and beyond. Again, very Indiana Jones type of setup right from the get-go. You know mm-hmm. exactly what you're going. He has uh, – you're getting. He has to go to Kiev, to Ireland, and to, to Tibet. And again, I was in at this point, even though like the writing is – writing, by the way, is by Lee Mars, who wrote, wrote several of the uh, the indie series, and penciled by Leo Dunanona. I love that name. I can't pronounce it properly, but I love it. <laughs> But it's like the way it looks. It does. It looks fantastic. The again, right from the get go, it's very, very. It's a. It's dated, but it's very much an indie story. Yeah. I don't know if you're as fond of the franchise as I am, or what you thought going uh, even up until this point. Oh yeah, I mean, I have a great deal of love for it, as well as you know anything in that vein. Like you know, we, we just talked about, what was it a year or so ago, Uncharted? Yeah. And you know anything in that I just love treasure hunting stories, yeah. a, you know, uh, national treasure and stuff like that. I just love them. So Indiana Jones, absolutely. And yeah, this definitely scratched that itch because it's been a while since there's been a good one. Yeah. So he heads to Kiev first and he's basically exploring a, a dungeon that's underneath kind of a large church structure. I don't know what the hell that thing was, but anyways. And again, more busting through walls again. <laughs> But I love <laughs> he snuck in, you know, claimed to be oh, a yeah. researcher, and like this woman didn't hear like somebody kicked down a wall. <laughs> like, hmm, I told him not to touch anything. I wonder what that sound was. And his stamp was still wet on the form, but oh, whatever. He seemed nice. He had a nice smile. <laughs> so, again, very much. Like the, the Lee Mars understood what made a, an indie story an indie story, and you need to have those puzzles very much like a Tomb Raider story. So he's figuring out that there's a demon on the shoulder of the monk, the statue, and that he has to move this demon in order to open up another passage. And I love that in this way as well. Very much like the the Indiana movies, the, the this passage opens, and all of a sudden you've got this phenomenal landscape winter landscape and he has to make his way over to this temple place but there's a puzzle on how to get in and and the, the mandatory bell that he should be ringing and all this stuff and and i i dug that so much yeah like it very indie solutions to the problem yes <laughs> and now when he gets in there basically everything's golden and he finds the person who was actually supposed to be guarding the one part of the gem that's there and this kind of monk looking person is golden as well and they've got the gem in his hand in their in its hand and when he takes it from him for some reason it slips out at some point and he realizes it's been a few hours so he was in the process of being frozen over as well 
So again, very typical indie story where the, the mysticism comes into play as well. And you have to roll with it and accept that. Yep. This is what happens in an indie story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at this point, if you're on for, you know, the Ark of the Covenant and yeah. all that philosopher's zone. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. It makes sense. And so again, Keep, keeping in mind in the, uh, one Indiana Jones game that LucasArts did make. He went to actual Atlantis. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. It's real. The hell are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm not saying Namor's down there, but it's real. <laughs> <laughs> but there's probably is one dick down there. <laughs> oh. All right. So he basically gets a stone. Escapes out of there, of course, has to come face to face with Comrade Legs again, and he hides the stone, finds it later on. Again, somebody else, the, the woman at the front, she manages to get frozen as well. Now, at this point, he is heading off to Ireland where he meets an old drunk in a pub and he has to go to a coastal abbey to get the other one. And they get caught up as well by a band of <laughs> wannabe druids. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to sacrifice them using their stone, which essentially turns you into a freaking tree. So one guy, the, the old drunk gets killed, but of course, Indy being Indy breaks loose kind of thing. And you have the mandatory chase scene where he's on a horse as well, because he doesn't just do bikes. That son of a bitch does horses <laughs> <laughs> and the two trucks and everything like that. So it was, again, it was a scene that was right out of the movies. That I absolutely loved as well. I wasn't too crazy about the Ireland adventure. The whole Druid thing was a little too much of a left turn for me. Like, there's already enough crazy stuff in this story. <laughs> like, I was like, you know, maybe that was a little, should have saved that one for next time. <laughs> yeah, the way that I looked at it is that the each of the stones had to be fairly different in terms of mm-hmm. what it is that they did and still kind of blend together so that when the three are put together, it makes sense that it would be to resurrect the dead. So in that way, it kind of, for me, it made sense. Yeah. I'm not saying that just, I don't know, like that, that particular act of the story, just, it, it didn't fit. As well, well, it was as, slower as too, for the most yeah. part, a lot of it was slower. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then from there now he's off to Tibet. And meets up with a Sherpa there who's going to guide him to the Monastery of the Butterflies. I love that whole scene. I I, I thought that the, was... The, the, this, this was the best part of the story for me. So, well, the whole bit for me too. Like even the, the lead up when he's just talking to him and walking around Tibet and things like that. So when they finally do make it to the monastery, the, the, the monk who's there makes, them, makes him drink some tea. And of course he has a vision that tests him. I love that he sees like the grail and he sees uh, the, the ark and, and stuff like that. That was, that was very cool. And throwbacks again to the movie that, that I really dug. Hey, I recognize that thing. Yeah, it's bad. Don't open it. (laughs) (laughs) He has to fight off a suit of armor, which was, again, a lot of fun. And then the final test, of course, is there's a monk who's about to be burned or you can rescue the stone. And he goes after the monk and that's when he realizes that that was the test and it's done. I love that when the monk (laughs) changes and he's like the guardian of the gem, the reason he's the one that's there is because he lost a wager. So he gets the last stone and then he heads back to Marcus. Now, the entire time this is happening, what I'm thinking, and it's typical again of an indie movie because it's that catch 22. Like you're having fun and you're watching, but then you're thinking 
those stones were safer where they were <laughs> than with you. You just made it easier for the Nazis. <laughs> so, of course, he takes the stone back to Marcus. Meanwhile, Marcus is bound and gagged by major legs. And she takes them. She pretends to kill him so that nobody comes after him. But then, of course, the Nazis are outside. They steal the gems and take off. And then you have the big old freaking chase scene. You got the, the train boarding the train in the coffin and, and blowing up the freaking train and all the typical, again, indie madness that goes on leading him eventually to the big boss, the Jaeger, his mansion where you're getting, he has this like red skull look about him. And then you go through the entire sequence there with the mandatory cemetery where he's leading them so that he can, raise the Nazis, which he does, and which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't expecting them to actually have Nazi zombies. That was a nice touch. I, if you're going to have a story where you're trying to raise Nazi zombies, you better well put them in the story. <laughs> they belong in there. And so you have that, and then he eventually breaks up the the, the stones and, and comes crashing down at everybody. The ending was pretty weak with the on the train with Nadia a bit. But yeah. again, we've seen those scenes in the movies again. It's just that the reason it works in the movies is because of Harrison Ford's charm. Harrison Ford can pull off that look and we've seen him do it in many <laughs> different movies. So he can pull it off. When you're seeing it in a comic book, it's a lot cheesier. And nice that, what's that? That's a nice point. Yeah. I didn't look at it that way. So that is... Indiana Jones and the Iron Phoenix. Uh, again, it's it's very much dated, and it might be a little hard for you to get your hands on it. But if you can, and if you are a fan of Indiana Jones, I highly recommend it. It was actually a lot of fun to read. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to look for some more of these now. Yeah. So let's move on to what we're reading. There's a whole crap load of new Marvel stuff. No kidding. So let's talk about some of them. <laughs> let's start with the obvious spiders. Because we got issue number two of Amazing Spider-Man. And this is more... Things are on the... Things are happening now. It's it's not set up anymore. We got mm-hmm. action. And so I'm assuming, of course, you read this. Yes. I like this it. a lot more than yeah. issue one. Like, incredibly more. Yeah, this was great. Like the 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 banter between him and Hobie, and like, I, I yeah, I liked I liked this all around. I love the holographic whale, <laughs> <laughs> and how you're seeing the holographic whale, and it's like, okay, this is deep, but it's the flashback afterwards where he's talking about the car with Fury, and he's saying how the <laughs> it can camouflage, and he's like, so not invisible? That sucks. <laughs> it's going, yeah, but it makes if it was an Stark, awful. it would be invisible. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was great. I, I mean. <sighs> And then, of course, the last couple pages just that hammered me because we've talked about that storyline and how much I loved it. So them bringing that back up and I'm about to cry at the rhino again. (laughs) I again, I really enjoyed this. I I thought that was really cool and a really nice setup for what's going to be coming down the pipe as well. So that was that was cool. So, yeah, much better than one. Much, much better than one. Now, then. Spider-Gwen number one. I didn't even read it. You should. Really? Yes. Okay. I I was waiting for the Roger review. (laughs) Because this was significantly better 
than what we got in the prior series, in my opinion. Hmm. So this is Latour who worked on who worked on the was it Latour that was as Jason well? Latour, yeah. yeah. Well, either he picked up a few tricks, or I mean, there's again, there's some kind of stuff in it that kind of went eh, whatever. But overall, I really actually much preferred the manner in which the story was told. I preferred the way that he was writing the character as well, which is big because I wasn't crazy about how mm-hmm. he was writing the character; it just didn't feel right. And it's a lot less about the kind of gimmicks of the parallels between that universe and ours and it's still the, that part still doesn't make sense because secret wars hasn't finished yet I, so don't, I, don't even try to make sense of anything. so i don't know if this is supposed to be still in her world or in the actual world because it doesn't make sense that it'd be in the actual one because as well there's the the different captain america than than falcon yeah, she's she's so off in her own little pocket universe yeah so anyways it was it was actually much better. I'm not saying it was fantastic, but had we gotten this after the um, Spider Verse, I would have been much happier, and I would okay. have followed it more. So um, that kind of says a lot in my. Opinion. I'll tell you what. After you read the second issue, if you still yeah. feel the same, <laughs> then I'll go back and get the first. Okay. Did you read um, the Uncanny Inhumans? No. Okay. Not not a not a big Inhumans guy. <laughs> We're going to be seeing a lot of them, so you may as well. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Can't make me. And uh, Charles Sewell was the one writing that, so I, I like him. So and, Yeah, and he's, a, he's a good writer. I just do not care about the characters. That said, this was pretty tight. Okay. I actually enjoyed this. I liked the characters. I liked how it was being written. I liked the dialogue. I liked the interactions the interactions that are going to be occurring with the mutants based on what we see here with them, with Hank, because Hank's mm-hmm. working with them. And so there was actually a lot of stuff here that was, that was fun to read. I, right. again, not spectacular, but it was, it was actually really good. I, I enjoyed it. It's a, it, it was a strong start for a number one, definitely a strong start. All right. Interesting. Good to hear. Actually, I'll talk on one more Marvel before I go to the mandatory other one. Did you read The Invincible Iron Man? I did. Number one and two? Yes. It was freaking awesome. Yes, it was. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I don't care if it's Bendis. It's Iron Man. And based on what we saw, because again, it was like, Taylor, well, we love well, Taylor. They, they threw away that whole uh, evil Iron Man storyline and went, just, just write a regular Iron Man. Guy. Yeah. Because again, Taylor, we love and hated that Iron Man. So just because it's Bendis didn't sell it for me. What did sell it for me was that it was bloody awesome. It was really well-written. Dialogue was tight. The character, I liked what they were doing with him as a character because he's hard to write as a character because Mm -hmm. he's a dick, an egotistical dick. So it's one of those people really aren't interested in reading about an egotistical dick, but he made it work. And the new AI is freaking awesome. Friday. <laughs> Friday's actually been around for a while. Uh, okay. Well, see, it shows how much I've been reading them. Yeah. But, and then also the stuff with doom. Yeah. Well, pff, I, I figured you would because even I'm reading that and I'm going, damn, that's, <laughs> that's really awesome. <laughs> they're, they're still doing callbacks to that Camelot story too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, again, I, I read the first issue and I was like, that was really good. 
And I know that they're really pushing for, they even said at the Comic-Con how Iron Man's going to become their flagship title. So I was like, okay, well, it better damn well be good then. And the first one I was thinking, well, was that a fluke or was that actually good? And then I read the second one. And the second one starts right off with Doom when he's firing the cannons at him and then turning into his Hulkbuster outfit as well. And I was like, okay, this is going to be good. I... I'm buying into this. Got the whole mysticism thing going on with the, the, the wand as well. And it was like, this, this could be a lot of fun. Yeah. He, he, he put a lot of story elements into these first couple issues. Yeah. And the art. It's def, it's definitely moving a lot faster than your traditional Bendis yes. series at this yeah, point. It, oh, it's clipping along. And you got a lot of stuff going on in there too. Like not just a few things. There's a lot going on. But as we've seen him do, Having a lot of balls in the air doesn't slow him down. So that's that's awesome. I really am enjoying it, which me enjoying the Iron Man story is pretty big. Mm-hmm. Now, I actually talked about this on All Comics Considered <laughs> as the one series that people should be reading right now. Did you read I Hate Fairyland? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this was awesome. That was the best. <laughs> I've read it a couple of times since because, A, it's just a joy to read. And Scotty Young, we've discovered, is just such a good writer as well. And when you pair his art with his words, you get that complete vision and it works so beautifully. And this is just from the moon being blown up and the falling <laughs> stars coming crashing down to her eating mushrooms and then tripping afterwards <laughs> beginning to end awesome incredible like every time it's like well it can't get any more crazy than that oh my god she's eating humanoids she's eating their brains <laughs> look at their yeah, little they're faces not mushrooms they're mushroom people yes <laughs> and it's psychotic <laughs> So, and and yeah, and when she's tripping out and seeing the visions, oh my God, this was just absolutely fantastic. Cannot wait to rereading this series. He's, he's a genius. There's nothing, there's no other word that applies. (laughs) All right. What do you got for the week? All right. I, a thousand things, but I'll keep it to the highlights because, uh, you know, we're doing that next week too. Uh, some of the Avengers stuff, uh, new Avengers, that one came out. Uh, Al Ewing, uh, I like a lot of his work for Marvel, and uh, Gerardo Sandoval on art is just amazing. Fun team, uh, some interesting dynamics. Not crazy about the squirrel girl part of it, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm really happy that uh, Songbirds getting an official Avengers role. She's been one of my favorite characters for decades, so like, I. I it's definitely a very new direction for the Avengers after the last several, you know, attempts. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the future of this comic. Awesome. Also have the Uncanny Avengers. On the fence about it, because on one hand, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on here. <laughs> because this is, you know, the Unity team with the Avengers and the X-Men and now the Inhumans as well. Uh, they have this new Inhuman character, Synapse, still not entirely sure about her, and apparently one of the few X-Men left on Earth in Rogue. So there's a lot of, like, tension in the team because of the stuff going on between the Inhumans and the X-Men right now. So, I'm curious I mean, how that's going to play out because that's going to have to tie in with 
Hell, they talked about that in Iron Man. Yeah. That, that, that was the second or the first issue where she talks about it was having – the first issue. Yeah, where, yeah. He's, where he's doing like the – yeah. So you know that that's not just tossed in there. That has to be yeah. where it's going to originate from. But like it, it's cool, but you know the execution I'm a little on the fence of right now. But what makes it the best is Deadpool's on the team. Oh, God. Yeah, I saw the covers for that. And the reason Deadpool's on the team is because Rogers put together the team. And we've seen over the last couple of years that relationship between Deadpool and Rogers being built where Steve Rogers trusts Deadpool now, whereas nobody else does. And as he says, like, I guess there's something that's going to happen in the Deadpool solo series. Deadpool's actually bankrolling the team. So Steve can't fire him. <laughs> so great bits at the beginning because you have Deadpool, Spider-Man and Torch on the same team. Oh, Jesus. But Spider-Man can't work with Deadpool and he quits, but he's going to be back, of course. So like, there's there's a lot of really interesting character dynamics there that uh, that I can't wait to see evolve. Cool. And then Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't read that. When this came up, you know, one of the big things about this particular run on it was that Ben Grimm, the thing, was joining the yes, Guardians. Yeah. So I was like, that was – that's an interesting choice. And it wasn't until I picked up the issue that I realized how obvious of a choice that was. There's a reason he was in the Fantastic Four to begin with. There's a reason he was flying the space shuttle when they got their powers. Yeah. He always wanted to be in space. Now he has his chance. So him on that team, brilliant. Kitty, I love her for what she's doing here. But I had a lot of that tying back into what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Why does she have to be Star-Lord? Why can't she just be Kitty? Is she still all mystified from the, the Vortex mirror? Not that I noticed. Okay. But, you know, she's she's using her phasing powers to take down spaceships now. Like, she's an absolute badass. But, she, again, it's kind of that weird, why can't she just be herself? Why does she have to be Star-Lord? Why can't she be Kitty Pride, leader of the Guardians? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And to wrap it up, Justice League. I've been talking about Justice League for a couple months now because I've been very pleasantly surprised with this Dark Side War. Well, now Dark Side War has hit Act Two. Now that Dark Side is dead and new new gods are being chosen and born into the worlds, holy crap! This issue was amazing, both from a story standpoint, what the the characters are going through, because some of the Justice League members are being chosen as the new gods. <laughs> ridiculous like really high-end stuff like some of the most creative work i've seen out of john's in ages and then they have francis manipole on art for this story arc and he blows it away he sells every ridiculous story element that john's is telling and the the finished product like i finished this issue and i was blown away because i was like okay cool more justice league you can see what's going on with this dark side war thing and i finished it and i was i was in awe of what i just read really this was fantastic issue Damn, i'm gonna have to go back and get caught up on those then and it's only, i think the first arc was only like four issues so not a whole lot to catch up on oh so you haven't been reading it since the actual because they're what on 45 yeah. now or something oh yeah yeah I, I i've been in and out but i it's one of the comics that i read after convergence yeah be, you know trying to you know see okay see what's going on and i liked the first issue i was like okay and i kept up with it so now it's gotten really, really good. Again, at least for me, there was a lot of elements in the story that I really enjoyed. Okay. And uh, that's all I got for this week. Okay. So 
new releases for the week. On the Marvel side, we've got Angela, Queen of Hell, number one, Captain America, Sam Wilson, number two, and Captain America Reborn, number one, Chewbacca, number two, Holland Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D., number one, Kanan, number seven, New Avengers, number two, Spider-Man 2099, number two, there's your unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number one, and What If Infinity Dark Reign, number one. On the DC side, we've got Art Ops number one, which is a new series, obviously, by the number one, but (laughs) it kind of sounded a little interesting. I don't know how well it will play out on the page, but I'm actually curious enough that I want to see. Cool. And then we got Batgirl number 45, Gotham by Midnight number 10, Justice League 3001 number 5, Justice League Dark Side War Batman number 1. So I'm assuming there's a crap load of tie-ins for these. Yes. And yes, I'm going to be picking up every single one of them. <laughs> Fair enough. Awesome. Okay. New Suicide Squad number 13, Prez 5 of 6, Robin, son of Batman. Are you reading that? No. Okay. Superman 45 and We Are Robin, number five. Are you reading that one? Because you like yes. the first one. Yes, I, I have been enjoying that series. Cool, awesome. Okay, Image, we've got Black Magic, number one, a new, uh, I think that's Greg Rucka who's doing that one, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and then Chew, number 51, which, holy crap, I saw that and it was like, a new Chew? Wow. It feels like it's been forever. <laughs> I know. All right. Everybody else, we've got Spire number four from Boom Studios, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 51 from IDW, and are you interested in this uh, Transformers Redemption? Uh, yeah, well, that's a new I, one. I've kind of fallen out of the, the Transformers comics, but okay. I might check it out. There you go. And that is going to wrap up the episode for the week. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com, leave us your comments, and you can see us on Twitter as well at CBinformer. Next week, we're actually going to be tackling just a grab bag of whatever the hell we want to talk about, new or old, so that should be a lot of fun as well. And so make sure, again, you can find us on Stitcher and iTunes, leave us some comments, and we will talk to you guys next week. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.